I was thinking about the scripture, and it almost was like that God prepared me to already give the sermon in Montgomery, Alabama. Last week, I was in Montgomery, and just to talk about a little bit what I do. When we look at our schools, our public schools, that only 17% of classrooms that have children of color actually receive grade-level assignments. Four out of ten classrooms, those children don't even receive one grade-level assignment. So how do we make that difference? How do we change that? In Montgomery, Alabama was, was taken over by the state. All those teachers were going through a lot of stress. And I had an opportunity to, to work with a high school. And there was one teacher there. She was a magnificent teacher. I, I, I went into her classroom, and she's definitely given grade-level assignments. Her students are engaged. The students are having fun. Everyone is learning in the room, and they're being challenged. So the next time I came, I said, why don't you walk with me, and we'll visit all these classrooms together, and together we will give feedback. And we went around to the classrooms, and we came to one classroom. And that teacher, for the whole entire week, were having her students cut out pieces of body parts to make a poster of Frankenstein. And that's all they were doing. No reading, no writing. Just looking at magazines and cutting out different parts. And the principal was with me, and we went back to the conference room, and, and we talked. And I was like, I don't even know what to say to her. Because we don't like being corrected. Raise your hand if you like being corrected. I'm just making sure. And so I said to the, to the principal, and, you know, he wanted, first thing he wanted to do was pull her into the room and talk to her. I said, we can't do that. We have to gain her trust. We can't just tell. We got to show. I said, when I come back in January, have her walk with Michelle and I, and we'll visit the classrooms again, and we'll give feedback. So this week came, and that's what we did. We went from classroom to classroom, and she saw grade-level assignment. And when we got to that last class, the only class we saw that they weren't really, students weren't engaged, they were sitting down, teacher was doing all the work, you could tell that half the students wanted to fall asleep. And when we got back and we were debriefing, she said, I saw me in that classroom. And she looked at me and said, Don, you changed me today. Sometimes we have to put our faith in God 
And I noticed that she had a Bible there. And I said, when we started talking about the Bible, I said, you know, I'm giving a sermon this Sunday. And she asked me what the sermon was about. And I said, I'm going to preach out of Malachi. Chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. Tithing. How we rob God. And I said, you know, this is a hard, hard sermon. And the way I look at it is probably different than how everyone else looks at it. And I said, you know, we go to God and we get on our knees and we pray so that God will give us a job. And then God gives us that job. And he gives us 90%. I don't see it as us giving him 10. I see him giving us 90 of the 100. And I said, that 10% is so important to do God's work because someone else over here is praying at the same time that I need help with my light bill. And because of God giving you that job, he didn't only give you a career, he also helped that person with the light bill. And they looked at me, and probably because they trust me, they said, you know what, Don? I have a second job, and I don't pay my tithes with my second job. I thought it only meant my, my first job. And both of them, one was teach. well, both of them were teaching some type of dance, and I said, yeah. I said, did you pray for that job? And they said, yes. Then why wouldn't we give God that 10%? And they looked at me and they said, you're right. I think I will. See, I realized that as a preacher, we need your trust. We need the trust in the word of God. So as we look at chapter 3, verse 7, the scripture says, Yet from days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. And this is my favorite part. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation, bring all, and it says all, and I think that's very important, all the tithes to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me not in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out For you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So not only does he give us that blessing, he's going to protect it. 
And he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come here and to preach your word, Lord. I just ask you, let this be you, not me. That you speak through me, that you give this message, that they could take it and apply it to their lives, Lord. Help me. Give me the wisdom to say the right words, Lord. And I ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to start out with accountability. Because he, he says, in what way have we robbed God? See, Israel didn't even know they were robbing God. However, the prophet Malachi explains the lack of accountability Israel had when it came to tithes and offering. And he says, because of that lack of accountability, we are cursed with a curse. We are cursed with a curse. So I was thinking about how might we break that curse of robbing God in a society that we live in where we want to blame others and justify what we do with excuses. Even as a teacher, I see you all the time. I could be looking right at the student. And they did something wrong, threw a paper, cheated on a test. And I'll confront the student and they'll deny it. Even though I'm looking right at them, I mean, the, the power of the denial is so strong that I'm thinking, did I really see that? And I was wondering why. And then when you talk to the parents, the parents are like, can you prove it? And so I'm thinking, are they learning this from their parents? Are we teaching our children not to be accountable? That's a very scary thing. That even though we could see the disobedience in our children, even worse, Our children can see the disobedience in their parents. How do we change that? How do we become more accountable? Because if we're not accountable for our disobedience, how would we even ask for forgiveness? That Malachi was really looking at Israel and saying that you need to be accountable. So I'm thinking, okay, so... This disobedience, God says we rob him. So if we fully submit to God, and we believe God created the heavens and the earth, God created the technologies, God created the jobs, God gave us the wisdom, God gave us the intelligence, God gave us everything, 
even that job. God gave us our salary. And if God gave us our salary, then it was God's money in the first place. It's not our money. It's God's money. But I was thinking, well, in that first verse, it says, you have gone away from my ordinances. And a lot of times we talk about the other ordinances, baptism, communion. Even I'm afraid to talk about tithing. I mean, throughout the years, I've heard these excuses. Well, honestly, I've had some of these excuses. I remember when I was not a member of a church, so guess what? If I'm not a member of the church, then I don't have a storehouse, right? So if I don't become a member of a church, then I have nowhere to send my tithes. But I'm still robbing God. Sometimes I was like, oh, all right. I miss church on Sunday. I guess I can't pay my tithes. And then I end up spending my tithes, moving on. But you know what? God always gets his money back one way or another. And after a while, I just, I became more and more What's the word I'm looking for? Convicted of robbing God. And I'm thinking, you know, it took me 25 years. Why don't we teach our children now? Why don't we think about this before we even get the job? That the job, that salary is God's. I mean, if we're asking or debating our salary, why don't we just put 10 more percent on it and say that's going to God? There's a lot of things we could do. And to be honest, I cheated. I, I went to the office. I said, you know what? Can you just withdraw my tithes out of my paycheck? In two years, re-rent that. And I was so thankful because it was like the biggest relief took it off my shoulders because I travel a lot and I was business Sundays and sometimes I don't carry the checkbook my wife carries the checkbook um so how do we how do we break this curse and when I'm thinking about robbing if we're robbing God how do we rob someone and not call it stealing yeah I was starting to think about that How do we rob someone and not call it stealing? Isn't stealing one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not steal. But we're like, okay, well, if it's our money, then how are we robbing ourselves? But I guess you have to believe. You honestly have to believe it's God's money. So I was thinking if he... If you don't, I guess, if you don't believe that God gave you the job and you believe you don't need God to protect you from getting hurt, sick, or even worse, doing something stupid at work, even then, I would be willing to pay 10% just to keep me well at work, to keep me from getting sick. To keep me from saying something I shouldn't say at work. 
But even then, if you still believe that you did it all and you got the job and it's not God's money, and maybe you even think, well, I give a lot of money to charities. Or I saw something on TV and I gave money to a church on TV. You're still robbing God. Because the scripture says to bring all your tithes to the storehouse. So how might we really stop robbing God? Maybe some of you don't agree with the way that God's money is being used. And you might think you could manage that 10% better than the storehouse. So I was thinking, okay, but you can't manage the 90% that God gives you, but you want to manage the 10% that should go to God. I'm just being honest. I, I tried, and it seemed like I was living from paycheck to paycheck. And let's be honest. What does the church do with the 10%? So I came up with, like, this list. Let me give you 10 reasons why it's beneficial that we don't manage that 10%. My number one reason is we don't like working overtime without getting paid. Is that correct? Who would work overtime without getting paid? i tell you someone. Our pastor. When he works a full day and you call him at 7 o'clock at night, you don't get the answering machine. You get the pastor. Reason number two, who would work the weekend and not get paid? Our pastor does. He'll work Monday through Friday, and then he'll prepare a sermon on Saturday. And he'll preach on Sunday. And he doesn't ask for double time. He doesn't. I don't have the time. I worked hard Monday through Friday. I don't want to come in and work on Saturday and Sunday and go back to work on Monday. My reason three, and I was thinking reason three we don't have time. To visit the sick. Yeah, we do visit some, maybe within our family, but do we have the time to visit every member in our church when they get sick? But the pastor does. If you're sick and you call the pastor, he'll come and see you. So I'm thinking about this 10%. This is pretty good because I don't have to, I mean, I want to go visit the sick, but it's hard when I'm in Montgomery or Birmingham, but I know that if someone's sick, that my pastor will go and visit them. Reason number four, not all of us could take time off to go do missionary work, travel to other countries, or go down to Florida, or go to New Mexico. But our church helps people that can 
Our church helps people within our community to do missionary work. Reason number five. I like this one. We don't have the time to marry our members at our homes. Open up our homes for weddings. Have everyone come over. Whenever there's a wedding, okay, Sunday I could do the wedding. Nah. Our, our pastor does. And we have a church. We have this beautiful facility for weddings. So anyone that wants to get married could come here and get married. Then if we look at reason six, we don't want to give up our homes so others could use our facilities for reunions. We have a beautiful fellowship hall. Anytime someone wants to have a family reunion, we just got to get with Brother Eugene and put it on the calendar. Reason number seven, we don't have the extra money to give to everyone that's in need for money for rent or phone or light bills, food. That's 10%. That's, we're doing that. We just don't have to actually physically doing it, but someone's doing it for us. Number eight is my favorite. We can't keep a secret. And I don't have to try to keep that secret. But we have a pastor we trust that we can open up our very vulnerabilities. It's hard to say that I messed up and I can't pay my light bill. Can you help me? He, he would help us. And no one would ever know it ever happened. That's the beautiful thing about it. Reason nine, sometimes we struggle with the right words to say to comfort someone who just lost someone. That has to be hard to be able to go out to a family and comfort them. If it's our family, we could do it, but when it's a complete stranger, someone we really don't know, yeah, I see them in the pews, but our pastor will go and do that. And now there's a lot of reasons what happens with that 10%. But the last one I want to say is we might not have enough room in our home to open it up to have service on Sunday. That because of that 10%, we have this beautiful building on Sunday so we could come and worship. We could come on Wednesday in fellowship. Now, I talked about that 10%, and I kind of looked at how it's being managed, and I'm fine with that. Honestly, I think our pastor does a lot of work that we wouldn't even be willing to do. But any time we say that, you know, he might need a raise or something, we look at at his salary, and we look at it like he just works Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. And we don't realize that if there's a woman in need that's being abused at 2 o'clock in the morning, that our pastor will take his truck, go there, and give them comfort. Find a place for that woman to go. And we say, well, I don't want to give tithes so our pastor could have a brand new truck. I tell you what, having a truck is very beneficial as a pastor. 
because you don't have to ask someone else to help you move something. Pastor could just take that lady's stuff, that sister's stuff, throw in the back of the truck, get that sister to a safe place. And you know what? He'll probably even stay there and talk with the husband. And no one will ever find out, and he will be there to counsel them and to help them through those hard times at 2 o'clock in the morning when we're sleeping. Our pastor makes so many sacrifices. He puts everyone in this building right now before him and his family. I'm just honored just to be able to, to preach on a Sunday when he's at a conference. To be able to do that for him so he doesn't have to worry. To preach on you Sunday. He does a lot. And, and I just, I just, I'll be honest, I think he's underpaid for what he does. Because if someone's in need and they need $100 for gas to get somewhere, our pastor should be able to do without even thinking about money. Money should not even be a worry in his mind. God should ask him to do something, and he does it. And he helps those that are in need. Now, thinking about this 10%, I, I, you know, our pastor always says that our church is really good about paying their tithes, and I believe him. But can you imagine if everyone paid 10% and took it to our storehouse? And how, how the blessings, how our church would be so blessed, our land would be blessed. We would see God in our schools. We would see God in our homes. We would see God everywhere. And I was thinking, you know, if everyone paid their 10%, we might have enough to have a second pastor within the church. That we could do more. Or maybe our church could become that Christian school that we could send our children to, our grandchildren. Because right now, they took God out of the public school. It's like we have one day on Sunday to make up for the five days they did in the public school. Yes, we do have some godly teachers, but not all of them are godly. I, I've been some places where they asked me not to come back because they found out I was a pastor, not a pastor, a preacher. They didn't want someone conservative. Our, our country is lost. And, and our parents should have that peace of mind, or our grandparents, that we could have a magnificent Christian school to send our children, that they would get the word of God that they wouldn't stray so far from God. It's like when they go to college, we totally lose them. At least have that opportunity. There is so much. If we could just imagine the future and how that would be different. Christian values in our school. A second pastor, maybe even a a food bank, a kitchen. What could we do? 
And the great thing is those blessings would go out to our community. That we could do so much more. So, it's not a long sermon. I'm about ready to conclude. We have a choice today. We could remove the curse. We could return to God and he could return to us. I know for myself, I've robbed God for so many years. And even those convictions still stay with me. And last night I sat down with my wife and I said, you know what? Let's see how much I get paid. And I added up her salary. I added my salary. I added my retirement. And I figured out I'm robbing God. I'm $102 short on my tithe. I don't want to rob God. And I'm willing to make the difference. The question is, are you? It's, yes, it's going to help our community, but you will get the biggest blessing from it. And let me just end with this scripture right here because it's so, so powerful. He says, bring all the tithes into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. Always food in my house. No one should be hungry within our community. No family members within our church should be hungry. And it says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if you will not, if you will not open for the window of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. That's our benefit today. Thank you for listening to the Reedy Branch Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you to love the gospel, live the gospel, and share the gospel. May God richly bless you this day.